takes me back to elementary school. I don't know about you, but when I was in elementary school, <laughs> it sounds weird that <laughs> I said it like that, but I think I probably celebrated Valentine's Day more like enthusiastically in elementary school than any other time in my life because that's when they have all the people that are like, you know, handing out cards like this, all the Valentines and things like that. I think it's probably the last time I wrote a Valentine's Day card. And maybe when I was dating my wife, but uh, the last time I wrote a Valentine's Day card was something like, like this, although my name's not Aiden, so that's, this is not autobiographical tonight. I did not write that. But yeah, when you're a little kid, that's kind of the thing that you do, right? You, you pass around these Valentine's Day cards, and they, uh, they made some new ones, by the way. I don't know if you saw these. <laughs> you rock my world. It's pretty good. That wouldn't have been funny when I was a kid. This one would have been. My name's not Sully, but you can still be my boo. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's not the reaction I was expecting. This one you might like, you caged my heart. You know, this is, this is real stuff, you know. <laughs> just imagine writing your name to and from on that. That's just, that's embarrassing. Or this one, my favorite one. You're the greatest good I'll ever get. The Incredibles. Is that one random scene where he's, you know, going back and forth with his wife? Yeah, yeah, you know that. I don't need to explain The Incredibles to you. You've seen it. But yeah, no, those were uh, Valentine's Day cards. And, you know, as you get older, it changes. It becomes candy and becomes things that you give to people. And maybe it's like that junior high time. You're like, oh, man, I could really give an encoded message on a little candy. Maybe I'll slide that over and that'll mean something to them. Or, you know, the older you get, it becomes, hey, it's, maybe it's the time to start a romantic relationship. And it means more to you the more, you know, love you really start to understand. And as we're here at church on Valentine's Day, there's no more appropriate topic to talk about than God's love. Because if you think about it, that's what God is most famous for with most people, right? If I was to say, hey, what is God most famous for doing when it comes to people? You'd probably say, well, he loves people, right? I've heard that before. God loves me or he loves you. Or maybe it's put like this, that Jesus loves you. These are very common phrases that you hear. Even if you don't go to church, you probably still hear things like this. And it's important for you to understand what that actually means. Because a lot of people will throw that phrase around, but never stop to think, what does that mean? Does that mean that God is just accepting everything that I do? Does this mean that God will you know, love me for who I am? Does this mean that God loves me because I did something? Like, this is a good question for us to ask. What does it mean for God to love you? And Christians have been trying to tell people forever, hey, there's, some, there's like a really good verse that talks about this. They do it even at football games. They're holding it up on signs. Like there is something that Christians have been trying to shout to the whole world. There is a verse in the Bible that talks about God's love. And it's one of the best summaries possible of God's love. People even wear it in their eye black. Tim Tebow here, right? Wearing an eye black. John 3.16. Even if you're not watching football, you'll see it when you go to In-N-Out Burger. It's right underneath the cups, right? John 3.16. You got Christians that are in charge in this company that are trying to shout to everybody, you need to know about God's love and you need to know about what the Bible says about God's love because the Bible is God's word to us. And God tells us things about himself in the Bible. So if I was to ask you, hey, what do you think it means that God loves you? If you just give your opinion, it's like, well, guess what? Your opinion is not in the Bible, right? And that's great that that's your opinion that you think God's love means this or that. And really for every person, we would all define it differently. So what we need to do, if we want a real answer, if we want real truth, we've got to go to what God says about his love. So that's why if you've got a Bible, I want you to look at this one simple little verse, John three sixteen. This is a very important verse. I want everyone to check it out. It's going to be on the screen, even if you don't have a Bible in front of you. But John three sixteen is in a passage where Jesus is talking to this really smart person who's a religious person. 
He's a teacher of other people. And he reminds him, hey, you need to know the basics again. It seems like you don't even know the basics of what it means to know God. And he explains this. And at the end of his explanation to this guy about what it means to be right with God, he says these very important words that kind of summarize everything Jesus came to do. So this is him explaining his mission to the world. And it all has to do with love. So check this out. Very famous verse. Maybe the most famous verse in all of the Bible. Some of you know this verse already. It starts by saying this, for God so loved the world, which that phrase Sometimes we get this mixed up. We read that as God loved the world so much. Now that's not really what he's saying here, although it's true, God loves the world a lot. This phrase means God loved the world in this way. So this is a teaching verse. Jesus is telling us, this is how God loved the world. So when you wanna say, hey, God loves the world, or God loves everybody, or God loves people, right? He says, this is how God did it. It's true that God loves the world. It's true that God loves you. And even if you've never heard that tonight, it is true, God loves you. And let me tell you, these are not words that I made up. These are Jesus's words. And let me look to Jesus's definition to say what that actually means. God does love you, but this is what it means for God to love you. How did he do that? Well, that he gave his only son. So God, the creator, the one who made you, he does love you. And here's how he showed you his love. He gave his only son, gave. He handed over his only son. He had his son who lived with him in eternity. God the son, that's Jesus. We call Jesus God, the son of God because that's what Jesus calls himself. We see him prove his authority all throughout the gospels. And we see that Jesus has all the authority that God the father has. So Jesus is God. He's God the son. And this is what we need to know. He says, hey, this is how God loves you. The first step is he gave you the world, the people in the world, gave you his son. And that's Jesus speaking about himself that whoever believes in him, right? Whoever believes in him, doesn't say believe things about him. It says that believes in him. That's very important. We'll define that later. It says they should not perish, but will have everlasting life, eternal life, right? So the whole phrase goes like this. This is a very famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Those phrases, those lines are some of the most important lines in the whole Bible. And really they're the most important lines that you need to know directly from the mouth of Jesus. These are not my words. These are not my opinions. These are not you know, the church's opinions. These are God's words for you to say, this is how I loved you. I sent you my son, that if you would believe in him, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what you've heard. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter even what you've done in your past. He says, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in this Jesus person, whoever trusts him will not perish. That means to die, word perish. You might know it with the, you know, bananas are perishable, right? Canned food is an imperishable food item, like it's like candy, right? It doesn't get old, right? Even when it gets old, it doesn't expire. It doesn't grow bad. He says here, you will not perish if you believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus, not just believe things about him, but you will not perish, but you'll have eternal life. This is the most important thing for you, whether you've come to church your whole life or whether this is your first time ever hearing anything from the Bible, these are the most important words for you to hear. God loved the world and this is how he did it. He gave his son that if you would believe in him, in the son, in Jesus, you will not die, 
right? You might die in this life, but you will not eternally die. You'll actually have eternal life if this takes place in your life. And this is so serious and so important that it's really the main thing we talk about here in True North. This is what I'm most concerned about for you. It's not what college you go to. It's not if you get a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's not any of those things. My most important thing for you and what I care about for you on top of everything else, the most important thing is that you would believe in Jesus and not perish and have eternal life. That's it. That's the message. That's what God's love is for us. So I want to break this down phrase by phrase. We kind of did that earlier, but I want you to start writing these things down. If you've got a, a page, the first little line, and, and the lines get bigger, the first two words I just want you to write down is for God, right? We're going to break this down. I want you at the end, you're going to end up writing out the whole verse. That's what those lines are on your, on your page there. But for God, this is so important because if you don't understand the, 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 the most important word in the phrase, God loves you. The most important word is God, right? Because if I said, you know, your goldfish loves you, I want you to think about what that means. Can your goldfish love you? Well, sort of. Right? Have you ever had a goldfish love you? Right? What does it mean for a gold? If I say, hey, does my goldfish, right? your goldfish loves you. That might be a true statement. And what I mean by that is, yeah, sometimes the goldfish like looks at me sometimes, right? But does the goldfish, does, do they write poetry about you, right? Or are they interested, you know, in getting to know you as you grow older? No, they, they, you can't do that because that's just a goldfish, right? So is it a true statement to say, hey, your goldfish loves you? That can be true, but what's the most important word there? Your goldfish, right? What about this? Can your dog love you, right? Yes, sort of, I guess, in a way. I mean, kind of. Right? If I said, your dog loves you, I'd say, well, that's, is that true or is that not true? For some of you, it's not true. And maybe you kick the dog, right? But like, for most of you, you know, your dog loves you. Your dog wags its tail and gets all excited when he sees you, right? More than a goldfish does though, right? More than a goldfish, right? What if I said this, right? I've got, um, I've got a son, I've got a daughter. Uh, what, is it right to say my son loves me? Yeah. It is, right? I come home and, and he kind of gets his, his happy, you know, face on and he's just like, oh, he's kind of like a dog, you know, <laughs> to be honest, how he responds. It's like, oh, uh, like a dog responds, right? Uh, but he's more than a dog. He's a baby right? he, and he's a person. He's a human being, right? So does my son love me more than a dog would? Uh, no dogs ever love me. So maybe I'm just speaking out of a place of hurt, but my, no dog has ever loved me. I don't have any dogs. But is it true to say your goldfish loves you? Yeah, I guess but like a goldfish kind of love, right? Is it true to say your dog loves you? Yeah, I guess, but like a dog kind of love. Is it true to say that your child will love you? Yeah, it is true to say in a different way. And then think about this. Just imagine an old couple that's been married for 50 plus years. If I said they love each other, what does that mean? And you'd say, wow, well, that, that means a lot more. There's a lot more experience built into that kind of love. There's a lot of heartache that they've gone through together. If I say those two people, I don't know who they are, the strangers, right? But if I say those people love each other and they've loved each other for decade on decade on decade, that means something different, doesn't it? From your goldfish to your dog, to your child, to a spouse. Okay, here's why this is so important. If we say that God loves you, then whatever God is like, that's really gonna be the most important thing for us to understand what it means for God to love you. I just wanted to think about a couple of things that God says he is in his word. He's the eternal one. This means God never had a starting point. Like God has existed for eternity past. That's just the thing we can't even wrap our minds around. He will exist forever into eternity from eternity past that blows our mind. He doesn't even fit on the timeline. Before there was time, God existed. 
after there'll be time. God exists. Like that's a mind-blowing thought. That's how the Bible describes him. Also describes him as the one who created everybody. He's the all-creating one. There's nothing that exists in this world that God didn't make. Just want you to think about that. And we always think, okay, mountains and trees and people. Yeah, that, that's true. But also like the laws of logic, right? And math, right? And love and emotions. Like now start to think even beyond just the stuff you can see and taste and touch. It even says in the Bible that he's made things, all things visible and invisible, right? This God who made everything, he, he really did make everything. And that's, that's impressive. And to say that that God loves you, that's very different than what some of us expect. He's also this perfect and holy God. He's, he's perfect. He, he doesn't make any mistakes. He doesn't sin in any ways. He's perfect. And he's holy, which is a Bible word, which means he's like, he's such in a different category than you and me. The way he thinks is so different than how we think. We think based on, okay, how can I like organize my situation so everything works out for me? God sees like, all of eternity, all at once. And even when he acts, it's not even like he acts today versus tomorrow. Like all of his actions are basically happening all at the same time because he's eternal, right? That's like, whoa, it blows your mind. And to say that God loves you, that's a bigger deal than a goldfish or a dog or a child or a spouse loving you. Also, the, the Bible describes him as the just and righteous one. Like he is fair. He sees what happens in the world, all the unfair things. He sees that and there will be a day of judgment for all all wrongdoing. If you've been wronged or if you've done wrong, it's just like there will be a day where God settles the score. And you, to, to think, okay, that God loves me, that God, okay, that will help you understand what does this really mean for God to love you. He's eternal, all creating, holy, perfect, just, righteous, and he's love. This is how he describes himself. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it, it, John goes so far as to say here, like, if you don't love anybody, or if you've never loved anybody in your life, or you've never demonstrated love, well, then you probably don't even know God, because God is love. Early in that book, he says God is light, which means he's, he's righteous, and he's perfect. He's also called love. In Hebrews, he's called a consuming fire. These are, these are words to describe what God is like. And then you got to take it all together and say, okay, that God loves you, right? And, and in light of that, I hope that you kind of feel like, yeah, I'm an insignificant person in the grand scheme of things. Like when I think about how big God is and how much authority he has and how many people he loves, like I'm just one tiny, small little person in this world, but, but God is so big that should make God's love even more amazing to you, that he cares about you individually. And what did he do? It says he loved the world, right? For God so loved the world. That's the next phrase to write down. So loved the world, right? This is how God loved the world. When you think of the world, I don't know what you think of. I usually think of this, right? The earth, all the people on it. Just imagine, you know, in a picture like this, what's contained in this picture, right? There's all these people down there that you can't see, there's all these things they're doing. There's all these things that they're thinking. There's all this music that's being played all at the same time, but God still sees it all and he can differentiate it all perfectly. He knows all the thoughts and the feelings of every person that's in that picture. That should blow your mind that God loves the world. And here's how God loved the world, right? In this condition, in the condition of sin. I mean, the world, if you think about it, there's a lot of amazing things in the world, but you know, if you really think about the world, the world is a dark place. The world is a sinful place. How many like evil and wrong things are happening even as we speak right now 
all throughout this world. That would be heavy on your heart if you could even understand all of what was going on. And the more you grow up and the more you see, the more you understand like, wow, this world is an evil place. And the more you understand yourself, you realize, man, I have a great capacity to do what's evil. Yet the Bible says that God loves me. How does God love me? How did he demonstrate that? Well, he gave his only son. Right? That's the next phrase. Perhaps the most important phrase. He gave his only son. The whole point of Jesus coming to earth was to live a perfect life and then to suffer and to die. Right? We sang a song called Jesus Paid It All. That's all about Jesus dying. And you hear about... If you ever come to church, you sing songs about blood. And that's kind of weird if you're new to this. Like, why would we sing songs about blood or about death? Or That's odd, right? Think about it. It's weird. But why do we sing about that? Well, cause it's because Christians that read the Bible and they see, oh, wow, the Bible's greatest act of love is someone dying in your place. Someone shedding blood or dying or suffering in the place of another. When this text says, when Jesus says that God loved the world in this way, that he gave his only son, right? What that means is he gave his only son to suffer and to die. Why would we have to suffer and die? Well, because we make all those sinful choices that we make, right? Because the world is so evil, because all of us individually are evil, we deserve God's punishment. Like it shouldn't have been Jesus who died on the cross, right? It should have been you that died on the cross. Jesus never lied. Jesus never stole anything that didn't belong to him. Jesus never spoke bad about anybody. He didn't do it. He did perfectly. Jesus only did what was right. Jesus only did what was helpful. He only did what was kind. He only did what was loving. Jesus was the only person that did not deserve any of God's wrath or displeasure. He's the only one that didn't deserve it. But he steps in our place. He's the perfect and righteous one. And then he suffers on behalf of people like you and like me who deserve God's wrath. Like this is the whole point of being a Christian is that Jesus would take your place, is that Jesus would suffer for you. Right? And before he suffered for you, he lived righteously for you. This is the whole point. You needed the substitute, right? Like that's what it means to be a Christian, to be honest. Like that's the, the core of it, is that you, that you are right with God because you're wrong with God initially because of your sin. How do you get right with God? Well, he says next, right? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. Just some verses on this about giving your only son. I just want you to imagine all that God went through. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. God's love is displayed in a very unique way, right? In a gruesome way to us. It seems odd. God's word says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. The idea was, it wasn't like God waited for you to reach out to him, and then he decided to come and die for you, right? That's not how it worked. He came and died for his enemies while they were his enemies. Verse number seven, Paul in this text says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Like you might, if you were pressed for the people you love the most, maybe you would take their place. Maybe you would die for somebody, right? But God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's his act of love. This is how God demonstrated his love. This is how he shows it to you and to me, right? That's why every person in this room can claim that God loves them. Why? Because Jesus did something for this lost world. This is how God demonstrated his love for you. He sent Jesus to live and to die for you. 
right? But this is for whoever believes in him, right? Whoever believes in him, right? Which even this, this phrase, whoever believes, the emphasis is not on whoever, the emphasis is on believe, right? Actually, this phrase, whoever believes, is really like, you know, in the original language, like that's one idea, that's one word right there, that the believing ones in him, the ones who believe in him, will not perish, but have eternal life, right? This is the important people, the people who, who God shows his love to in this unique way. They're the people that believe in him. So God has demonstrated his love to you in this, right? He sent his son to die for you, but it's not helpful for you if you see this act of love and you say, I do not want this act of love. You're not gonna be helped tonight by listening to this message if you walk away and you say, I, I don't want that. I, I don't, I don't need anyone to take care of my sin. I don't, need, I don't need that. I don't want that. You will not be helped tonight by leaving here rejecting this gift of love. You'll only leave here tonight being helped by what you heard and being helped by all this by actually believing in him. And that word in him is very important. The word in it reminds me of kind of getting in a lifeboat, right? This is a you know, an image that maybe you've thought about before. Maybe some of you haven't. There's a difference between you believing that a lifeboat is functional, right? If you're in a cruise ship and it's going down, it's like, I gotta get in the lifeboats. Oh, and they all kind of look like this and they're kind of odd. They fit a few people. But it's one thing for you to say, yeah, I think that that lifeboat might be able to hold people. Why don't we test it out with some other people, right? That's a good idea. And maybe that's a good concept to start that you think it works. And a lot of you say, yes, I think that God loves the world. I even think that God loved the world and he sent his son to die for people's sin. I think he did that for other people. But if I asked you, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that you're covered because you're safe in him? Have you trusted in him? A lot of you say, well, I've grown up with the stories. I might even believe that it, it happened. I might even believe Jesus died, but I don't know if he died for me. That's the jump. I'm saying that's what you need to make. That's what it means to become a Christian, to actually believe not just that he can save sinners, but that he died to save you that you ask God and you trust God that he would do that for you. That's what it means to believe in him. It's the difference between observing a lifeboat and getting in a lifeboat. The most famous image in the Bible for becoming a Christian means to be in Christ. Paul says it all the time in Romans and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. He says it all the time. And John says it here. And Jesus said it in this book. And I bring this up because a lot of us will say, yes, I believe in God. Right? If I ask you, hey, do you believe in God? A lot of people hear that and they think, well, yes, I believe there's a God. I'm not an atheist, right? The only people that would say, I don't believe in God are atheists. I'm here to tell you that there are a lot of people who do not believe in God who are Christians, so to speak. They go to church. They're in youth groups. They, some of them are, are, are parents of people in this youth group, right? A lot of people are not real Christians because they believe things about God, but they don't believe in God. Right? Here's an example. In James chapter 2, God's word tells us that even demons believe that God is one. Like that, That's a statement to say, we believe that there's only one God. There's the one true God. Right? Well, that's great that you believe that. Even the demons believe that. Right? Like, Do you know that demons know that Jesus died on the cross? You know that demons believe that Jesus died on the cross to save sinners. Right? And some of you, your faith in God is the same as demons right now. Right? Like you, have, you're not, you haven't taken that step beyond to say, I trust that Jesus died for my sins. He says here, yeah, the demons believe all these amazing things about God. He believed, they believe everything that I've said tonight from the Bible. They believe the same stuff. They're not saved though. They're not forgiven. Their sins are not covered. 
But the people who believe in Christ here in this room, their sins are covered. James goes on to say, here's an image, right? It's like the body apart from the spirit is dead, right? When someone dies, the spirit leaves their body and their body doesn't move. It doesn't function the same way. It's dead. You might have some reflexes, but there's no life in a body, in a corpse. It says, so also faith apart from works is dead. Faith is like a dead corpse if works don't animate it. So here's the point for you. Maybe you say, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. But if I asked you, do you live like a Christian? Okay, great. You, you say you believe in Jesus. Have you devoted your life to him? It's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm waiting to do that till I get older. Well, then I'm telling you, the Bible says that you do not have the real faith. You do not have the real, genuine, saving faith, the functional faith, the faith that works. You don't have that faith yet in Jesus, the faith that gets into the lifeboat. But you can have that faith tonight. And that's really what I want you to leave this, this place thinking. I want you to believe in Jesus. I don't want you to even leave the room until you believe in in Jesus. Why? Because the whole point that you should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the last line. Right? God loved the world and he showed his love in this way. He sent his son to save you. That if you believe in him, he's not going to save you if you don't believe in him. He's not going to save you unless you trust in him. Believe in what he did. But he will. And you won't perish if you do. Perishing and having eternal life. And for some of you, like to talk about death, and, you know, eternity is kind of odd because you're like, I don't, I don't think about it. I don't want to think about it. Um, I had an experience recently. Uh, I got a phone call, and I showed up at a house, and there was a 19-year-old boy who was dead in his bed. And um, I had to go to this house, you know, because I was on call as, as one of the pastors here at our church. Um, and I, I, you know, I walk into this room, and there's a 19-year-old boy who, who died in his sleep, Right? And, you know, I'm talking to his mom and giving his mom a hug, and there's all these tears, and it's like, this is crazy. There was a person, there was a soul in that body, and now it's just a dead body, right? It wasn't an old guy. It wasn't in his 80s. It wasn't in his 90s, right? This was a 19-year-old, right? And then, you know, what did we do after that? Well, you know, called the sheriff's department, called the coroner's office. They came down. The mortuary came. They took a body away. They rolled out a body. They put a sheet over it, and they took it to a, a refrigerator and, and put it in there. And then we went a couple days later and picked out the casket and what color and what do we want to do for a memorial service. And then we put the, put, put the body in the ground, right? It's a 19-year-old. I share that just to say, look, we're all going to perish. You don't know when you're going to perish. You don't know if you're going to perish at 19 or 90. You have no idea. But what we're going to do one day with your body is we're going to put it in a refrigerator, right? And then we're going to put it in the ground. And at that point, if your soul is not right with God, he does not give you any second chances. Your second chances are here and now. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation, that your decisions that you make in this life, and I would argue even further, your decisions that you make as a high school student right now about what you'll do with this gospel message, this saving good news message, what you do with that is going to depend, is going to change your whole trajectory in your life. The way that the Bible puts it really succinctly is the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's the positive side. He came to deal with our sin problem. The wages of our sin is death. We sin, we deserve to die. Right? We all die because in Adam, we all sin. And because all these people now, they, they're all sinners, you and me, and we're all going to die. But it says here in the text, what does it mean to not perish if we're all going to die? Well, Jesus went to a funeral one time where there was a guy rotting in the grave. 
And he told the, the sister and, the, and the, the relatives at that funeral, he said, you know, if you believe in me, though you die, you'll live. So this eternal life, and that's a hard concept, and we don't have time to talk about everything that we could, but the whole point of eternal life is that's what life is meant to be. Life is not meant to be cut short. You're not meant to get to know people and then like to have those relationships severed, right? That's why even on Valentine's Day, like heartbreak is like a, it's, it's wrong. It never feels right because it's not what you were meant to do. You were meant to live, have relationships and keep loving other people. That's what you were made to do. But sin and death, it cuts that short. Eternal life is the new life that we're gonna have with God forever in a new world. It's not like some weird floaty you know, experience where you're floating on the cloud and you're playing harps like a, like a fat baby. That's not what the new world is gonna be. It, you're gonna have a body. The Bible says very clearly, you're gonna have a new body that will be incorruptible. It will never die. You'll never be a sinful person in that new world. You'll experience life the way God meant it to be lived forever, but you'll only experience that if in this life you choose to believe in Jesus, because if you choose to rebel against God and not believe in Jesus, you will not enjoy that new life. You will not enjoy any new kind of life. All you'll be is separated, but you'll be very aware of what's going on, which is why, I mean, this is, this is life and death stuff that we're talking about here. So the questions for you basically tonight as we talk about love and Valentine's Day are this, are you gonna accept or reject God's love? Are you gonna accept it? Are you gonna say yes I see what he did. I want to believe in Jesus. I want to be saved. Or are you going to reject it and say, yeah, no, not for me. Or yeah, no, not today. Right? And just know that if you're one of those people that says, yeah, no, not today. Maybe I'll just wait till I'm older. You are saying, no, God, no, I, I don't want your love. That's what you're saying. Right? And no, it maybe doesn't feel like that, but that is what you're saying. And the next question is like, will you believe in Jesus to be saved? Not only do you think uh, you know, can he save you? But you need to say, I'm going to trust that he will save me tonight. It's very simple how that works. And there's a lot of Christians tonight that are here that I'm sure would love to talk to you about this. We also have leaders. We have people tonight. We're going to have a couple minutes at the end here where we're just going to talk about all this, right? And before that, I want to sing one more song. But uh, even before the band comes up, I just want to consider this, right? Uh, what are you going to do about this? If you're a person who's accepted God's love, right? If you're a person who believes in Christ, well, then this is a celebration of God's love. If you're a person who's just hearing about this for the first time, this is awesome. I'm so, this is why you're here. This is why we did all this weird stuff. That's why I'm wearing this. You know, not that you're a new person, whatever. Uh, point is, this is why we did all this, so that you'd be here and that you'd hear this important message from God's word. That's the most important thing for you. Are you gonna believe in Jesus? Are you gonna trust him? Are you gonna be saved? Or are you gonna say no? to God's offer of love? That's the most important question. So we're gonna consider those. Let me pray right now. The band's gonna come up. We'll sing one more song. But after that, I wanna have this important conversation. I want you guys to have it together. So let me pray right now. God, we know uh, that you're telling the truth. We feel it in our bones as we even think about our own sin and we think about um, how far we fall short of what you expect from us. We're just thankful that we get to be uh, recipients of your love, we know that we did not earn your love. We know that uh, your love is amazing and you showed it by sending your son to die for us. I just pray for this group that they would take this so seriously that they would uh, just think about how they are called to respond tonight, even based on uh, the words that I share, but more importantly, the words in your, in your Bible. I pray that people would respond tonight. They would repent of their sins. They would turn, that they would trust and believe in what Jesus did for them. 
We know that that's uh, your power and you can save people tonight through that. So I pray people would respond in faith tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.